sweat equity. God's design for work, sweat equity. We're still in the book of Ephesians. We're in Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to be looking at verses 5 through 9 in this series. And this is going to be a series based upon work. And we're going to look at, in Ephesians 6, uh, 5 through 9, we're going to look at uh, God's, God's plan for how we work. And, you know, if I was to ask most of you here to tell me about your job, I think that, you know, there'd be different opinions, and some of you love your job, some of you hate your job, some of you are in between on your job, but jobs work is something that we all do, and some, something that we all busy ourselves with, it's something that God's called us to, but, but it's not always that work is, is, is an area that we always uh, feel a, a, a lot of joy in, so there's, there, there can be struggle with work. And so for, for some people, work, work is, can, can simply be a means to an end, right? And that end being a paycheck, money, right? So sometimes our work can just be reduced to just being a means to an end. So we want to look at work. It's, work's got to be more than just a means to an end. It has, it has to be more than just getting a paycheck so I can pay my bills and provide for my family. So as we will look into Ephesians 6, 5 through 9, what we're really going to look at, and we're really going to not even go to Ephesians 6 this morning, but when we get into Ephesians 6 next week and then the week after, it's just a short series, what we're going to look at is how we are to work. And this is the overarching context of our study through Ephesians. We've kind of seen how in the first three chapters, we see who we are in Christ. This is what God has done on our behalf, and because of what he's done on our behalf, this is how we should live. And so we've looked at how a Christian lives in every area of their life, in their relationships with their family, with their friends, with brothers and sisters in Christ. We've seen how the church should function. Then we've seen marriage and family. We just got through a series on marriage and family, and we've seen the calling that wives have. How should wives respond to their husbands? How should they submit to their husbands? And then we've seen how husbands should love their wives. But all of these commands from the Lord in Scripture, for us as believers, it's, it's all on the foundation of who we are in Christ. Because we are new creations, then our lives should look different, correct? Our lives should look different in every area of our life, and that also means on our jobs, that means in our area of work, in, in our vocation, it should be different for us as Christians. We should have a different perspective. And that's really what we're going to look at. We're going to look at next week, how should we work? What should be our attitude? How should we respond to our employer? What does that look like? I know some of you are like, well, I don't really like my boss very much. Well, God's going to help us all with that reality. So some of you may think, well, you know, my job is really so terrible and so it must mean that, that work is a result of the fall, right? We can have that perspective. It must be that, that work, was, work came to be because of the fall of, of Adam and Eve, but actually that's not true. And so what we want to do is, before we get to Ephesians 6 and we look at how we are to work, how we are to relate to our boss, we want to develop what I, I want to call a biblical theology of work. A biblical understanding of the institution of work. God created work. So what we're going to look at, we're going to see that, that, that work did not happen before the fall. Excuse me, not happen after the fall. It's not because of the fall. So we want to look at Genesis and we want, to, we want to develop a biblical view of work. So the first thing we're going to look at is this, is that God was the first worker. 
God was the first worker. This is the beginning, as we're going to see in Genesis, of developing this biblical theology, biblical understanding about work. We need to understand God was the first worker, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And we look throughout creation and we see the unfolding of creation. God went to work creating the heavens and the earth. He created light. He created light. He created, he shaped the earth. He put boundaries in place. He filled the earth with bodies of water. And he said, water, you can only go this far. He created the sun, the moon, the stars. He created plants, vegetation, and fruit trees. He created birds to fly in the air. He created sea creatures and livestock. God got busy working. And we see all of that unfolded in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. And I just want to read this section. Genesis chapter 2. Verses 1 through 3. Kind of in summary of what God did. It says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all of the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished His work that He had done. And He rested on the seventh day from all His work that He had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all His work that He had done in creation. So God was the first worker. God was the first worker. Work didn't come because Adam and Eve fell into sin. God was the first worker. He was at work in creation. It is a part of who he is. He is a worker. And you look at Genesis 1.31. It says this, And God saw everything that he had made. God saw all of his work. And behold, it was very good. And there was evening and morning and it was the sixth day. And so this, this work that God had done in creation. It was a good work. It was a very good work. And so this is, this is going to be a short introductory point here, but here's what, we, here's what summarizes this first biblical theology that we're building here. Work is inherently good because work is God's creation. Work is inherently good because work is God's creation. And for you, you may think, the work that I'm doing is not inherently good. If you only knew what I did. But I want you to know, I want us to see, I want us to establish here that work is inherently good because God created work. We are called to work. God created and he was the first worker. And so moving on, as we're moving on, developing this this biblical theology of work, the second thing that we want to see here is is that when we work, we reflect the God who created us. So God's a worker. He created the sun, the moon, the stars. He created all of the universe and the galaxies and the heavens. And he created you and I. And he created us in his image and in his likeness. So when we work, we reflect the God who created us. Genesis one twenty seven says this. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So what does this do for us? This understanding that we're created in God's image. I just want to touch on this just for a moment. We, we, we were created to reflect God in the earth because we are made in his image. And so what that does is, is that gives us a unique opportunity to reflect his glory and goodness in the earth. And work is one of those ways in which we reflect his glory and his goodness. Because we are made in his image and after his likeness, we are created to work. We are designed to work by God. And because of that, we get to reflect his glory and goodness through our work. Because we're also, because we're created in his, in his image also, every life has intrinsic value. And every life was designed to bring God glory. Did you know that? 
Your life was designed to bring God glory and praise in this earth. You are not a result of a cosmic accident. You are not the result of a decision that your parents made to have a baby. You are a result of the fact that God designed you to live on planet earth. He designed you to be here and he he designed you to have a purpose. And he designed you ultimately, the ultimate purpose for your life is to bring your creator praise and glory through your life. There are no accidents in this life when it comes to human life. God has designed every life to be here. If you're breathing, it's because God wants you here. He designs, he designs you to be here. As image bearers of God, we have a unique opportunity because he's given us breath. He's placed his image in us. We have a unique opportunity to reflect him in the work that we do. And when we, when we have a biblical worldview of the sanctity of human life, it elevates the value of all human beings. It elevates the value. We have a biblical worldview of the sanctity of human life. It elevates the value of every human being. That God has placed everyone here for the purpose of glorifying him. Now, do we all glorify him? We don't always glorify God. But our ultimate goal, our ultimate purpose of why we exist is to glorify him. And one way that we're looking at this morning that we can glorify him and reflect him is through the work that we do. Let's continue on in Genesis 2 here. So, so, so God worked, he, rest, he created and he worked. He rested from his work and he said that his work was very good. And listen to this, Genesis 2, 5 through 7. When no bush of the field was yet in the land and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land. Listen to this. And there was no man to work the ground. There was no man to work the ground. And a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils a breath of life. And the man became a living creature. God created man and invited him to join him in work. He said, I'm a worker, I create, I have worked, and now I'm resting, and I'm looking at the ground, and there's there's no man to work the ground. Then God created man to join him in his work of working in creation. So not only did God work in creation, but also God, God is a, God, we see God's work not only in creation, but in us. He works in our life. Look at Isaiah 64, 4. It says this, for since the world began, no ear has heard and no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait for him. Philippians 2 says this, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Psalm 127.1 says this, Unless the Lord builds the house unless the lord builds the house works and builds the house those who build it labor in vain it unless the lord watches he's active he's working he's watching over the city unless he watches over the city the watchman stays awake in vain first corinthians 3 says this what then is apollos what is paul servants through whom you believed as the lord assigned to each i planted apollos water but who gave the growth God, who's a worker, who is actively at work. We see his work in creation, but we see his work in us as believers. He is working and he has designed us to reflect his image through 
work. We're called to be like a God who works. So here's what I want to tell you. There is no such thing as a divide between sacred work and non-sacred work. All work is sacred. Now clearly, ungodly work is not sacred, right? That's an obvious. But whatever job you have, it is a sacred work that God has given you. There's no divide. I I don't do sacred work because I'm not the only one that does sacred work just because I open the Bible and I preach from the Bible. Pastors are not the only ones that do sacred work or or, or, or people who are spiritual leaders or, or, or any of those spiritual ministries. All work is sacred. But why? Because we're created to be like God to work. And so when you work, you reflect God. So that work is sacred. There's no divide between sacred work and non-sacred work. All work is sacred because it, it reflects God and his image and it brings him glory in the earth. And when we have an elevated view of our God and his work and how he's created us, then our job takes a greater significance when we understand the sacred privilege of reflecting him through our work. And you know, really, this next week, we're going to get into into that next week in Ephesians 6 about how we are to work on our jobs. And so we have the privilege of not not just working and that work that we do reflects him, but the way in which we work is should reflect him. So no matter how menial the job is, no matter how wearying and seemingly insignificant the job is, the work we do is sacred. The work we do is sacred. You know, I was watching somebody the other day, and they were, they were, cleaning, they were cleaning in my office. We, we, we have a, a, a brother, his name is Cody, and he, he, he cleans the bathrooms and the offices in the church. And Cody was in my office uh, on Friday afternoon as I was working on this message. And he was cleaning the sink that's in my office. And, as I, and I'm writing this statement right here. as I'm, I, He's cleaning and, I, and, I, and this, I'm typing this. No matter how menial the job is, no matter how seemingly insignificant. And I look up and I see Cody and I say, Cody, you got you to gotta read. You gotta, I got to tell, what what, 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 tell you what I just wrote. And, and, and I read it, and we started conversating with each other. And that, and that is so powerful and so true. I said, Cody, you're cleaning the sink, but you know what you're doing right now? You're actually reflecting God's glory in the earth because you're working. You're glorifying God through your work. And so that's what I want to tell you. You may feel like, well, I don't know if I'm reflecting God in my work. You know, if you knew what I did, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think I'm reflecting God. How is this a sacred work? I told him, I said, Cody, what you're doing right there is sacred. Scrubbing that sink and that toilet, it's a sacred work. And you think there's no way, but it's true because you're designed by God to work. So I want you, I want you, whatever job you have, you know where you work, you know what you do, you know the struggles you have. I want you to elevate your understanding about what you're doing when you work. Because you work, it is a reflection of God and his image, no matter how menial the job is, no matter how wearying and seemingly insignificant, the work we do is sacred because the work we do is a reflection that we are created in the image of God, of a God who works. Amen? Do you love your job? Yeah, maybe. (laughs) This is an on-time word. We need to preach this word, right? I want you guys, I want you guys to love your job because, because in your job, because you're working, 
it reflects God in his glory. Amen? And we'll, we'll talk next week about this, this love and hate relationship with, with your work and how, you, you are call, how you're called to work. But we need to elevate our view of our work because we reflect God in our work. The third thing as we're moving on here in this development of a biblical theology concerning work, first we saw that God is a worker. Then he calls us to reflect him in the work that we do because we're made in his image. And thirdly, work is a stewardship. Work is a stewardship. Genesis 2.15, continuing on here, it says this, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to work it and to keep it. So he, God took Adam, as we saw there in Genesis 2.15. There was no man to work the ground, and, and he formed man out of the dust of the earth. And then he put Adam into the garden to work and then to keep. And that word keep gives us the picture of stewardship. To keep it, to guard it, to steward it, to watch over it. And so God has created work to be a stewardship the work that the Lord gives you is the work that you are called to. Some of you think, well, well, you know, I, I, I don't really feel called to do the work that I'm doing. Well, I just want you to know the work that you're doing is the work that you're called to. It is the stewardship that God has given you. And maybe you desire to have another job. And if the Lord graciously gives you another job, then that job that you have will be the job that God has called you to. Because God has called us to work, to be diligent. And so often we struggle. We feel like, I'm just not called to do this. This is not what I'm ultimately called to do. And I just want to tell you, yes, it, it, it is what you're ultimately called to do. Because we're called to work because, and reflect God's image. And that, that work he's given you, God's asking you to steward it. Even the one that you don't like. Even the one that you struggle with. Even the one you feel like it's not what I'm called to do. God is, God is saying, I want you to steward that work in the earth that I've given you. To watch it. To give your best energy, to give your best effort. I mean, I, I think back on different jobs that I've had in my life, and not every job that I've had did I feel like this is what I'm called to do. You know, and I, 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 I struggled with it. I, you know, I'm, I'm probably told this from the pulpit. You guys uh, know this about your pastor that I used to be a, a, a cart pusher at Walmart when me and my wife were dating. Um, all I had to offer her was minimum wage and a cart pushing career and that's that's why her mom cried <laughs> now i i have to say I, I when we met i was driving a lexus sc400 working at walmart as a cart pusher but i bought it for five thousand dollars <laughs> it was a 1992 uh, lexus sc400 i loved that car um but anyway, so I was trying to look like I had something, and, but, but whenever, I, whenever I told her parents what I did, I mean, her mom cried for days. And uh, I probably shouldn't be saying this. She, she, I don't think she watches the videos, does she? <laughs> but, but, here was, but here was the thing. I, you know, cart pushing was not my career goal. It's not what I desired to, to, to do. I'm doing what I have felt called to do now, right? God opened that door for me, but I, it was a rough season, uh, pushing buggies, and and, and so it took, it, took, it took me to recognize what I'm seeing in Scripture here, that the work that God's given me, gave me to push those buggers was the work that God had called me to. And I was called to work hard no matter if I liked the job or I didn't like the job. I was called to honor God. And I, I, I remember specifically, this is one thing that I did on this job, on, uh, pushing buggies. I, I pushed buggies into Galleon or Walmart. 
And I remember I just was like, you know, I got to make the most of this, you know. And so I thought, you know, we were dating. And I was like, you know what, maybe I can randomly stop shoppers coming into Walmart. And I want to look at all the elderly people that are holding hands, husbands and wives, elderly people that are holding hands walking into Walmart. And if I see that, I'm going to go and stop and ask them, what is it about your relationship that at your age and stage in life that you're still holding hands? That's what I did. I just thought of creative ways, and I was desperate to know what it meant to have a great marriage, and so I just thought of a creative way to make it cool, you know? So I stopped. I don't know, I don't know how many, but it was several couples that I stopped, and they thought I was crazy. Like, this, this young kid stopping me. And, but then when I started talking, you know, they gave me good advice, so I made the most of my car pushing, right? That, that's the picture. That's the idea that I want you to understand. That this job that you have, even if it is menial and small and insignificant, it's the calling God has for you. And until he opens another door, work it to the best of your ability. Recognize it as a stewardship. So, so what is the calling for stewards? 1 Corinthians 4, 1 through 2 says this. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. Faithful. Not fruitful, but faithful. In the calling that God has given you, as a steward, the work that you've been given, the goal is not for you to be fruitful. The goal is for you to be faithful. If you're faithful, you will be fruitful. It's not about looking for the fruit and, and all, the, all the results that come from your work. If you will decide in your heart, God, wherever you call me, I am going to be faithful. I'm going to honor you in my work. I'm going to be faithful. You've stewarded this work to me. And so even if I don't like it, even if it seems insignificant and it doesn't come with a lot of fanfare, I'm going to persevere and be faithful and I will leave the fruitfulness up to you. And you trust the results up to God. You say, God, I, there's desires and dreams you've placed in my heart for work that I think you've called me to do in the next season of my life. But I'm going to leave that up to you. That's in your hands. My future is in your hands. But right now, I'm going to steward what you have given me to steward. Luke 16.10. Amen. Luke 16.10 says this. One, one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. One who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. And so what's the picture here? The picture here is that if you are unfaithful in a little, you will be unfaithful in much. But if you will be faithful in little, then God knows you'll be faithful in much. Do you guys see that? If, if, if you are faithful in the little that God's given you, he's, it's a testing ground. It's a proving ground. If you are faithful, then he's going to see that you will be faithful when he gives you more. A greater job, more significance, more impact, more finances. But it's faithfulness. It's stewardship. Work is a stewardship. God first worked. He created us to work. We're made in his image. We reflect him when we work. And then, and then work must be seen as a stewardship. As a stewardship. It's a calling to steward the work that he's given us. No matter what it is. You guys remember the story of the parable of the talents? God gives three people talents, and a talent was a, a measure of weight 
You would, they would weigh silver or gold. They would weigh the weigh, uh, precious metals. And it was, it was a way to, 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 to say that there was a certain amount of money or gold or precious jewels. It was, it was, that, that, that's what that is. It's a talent. It's not, the parable of talent is not about actual talents that we have, like I play drums or I play golf or I do this or that. It's about money, right? It's talents. And so God gave one person five and another five and another two. And the five got five more, invested the talents, got five more. The other invested, got, 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 got two more, and the, and the one buried it, right? So it was five, 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 and one, five, five, and one. The one that had the one, what did he do? He buried it and did nothing with it. So let's read what Jesus says here, Matthew 25, 23 through 27. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little. I will set you over much, enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have scattered no seed. Then you ought to have instead invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. It's a stewardship. This, this is the picture. God invests in us a work and a calling. And he says, I want you to steward this. And, and in, by the way in which you steward the work God's given you, the fruitfulness will come and it, it, it begins to be a praise and a glory unto God. And so this is the picture here that, that if we will invest what God has given us, that he will get a return. And what is his return? It's the praise and the glory of his name in the earth. Amen? That when we as believers in Jesus Christ work hard, we're faithful, we're persistent, we honor him in the ways in which we work, we don't bury what he's given us. We invest it by how we work. He gets a return on that investment because we stewarded his calling well. God's standard is faithfulness, not fruitfulness. When we have an elevated view of work, when we see the sacred reflection of God that work is, when we see the sacred responsibility we have to steward the work God has given us, it changes our perspective about our job. Our job then becomes a calling. Our job then becomes a calling. In a book written by Robert Banks called Faith Goes to Work. Faith Goes to Work. He created these categories for work. God's work. He created categories for God's work in the earth. I want to kind of read what, what, what he says there. It says he categorizes the works that God does in the earth. And he shows how the vocations we have take on greater significance when we see how God asks us to join him in his work in the earth. You follow me? So there's these categories. And what I want to do is this. I want to read the categories of God's works in the earth, what he does, and you're going to see them as I read them. And I want to list, Robert Banks lists all these vocations. And now this is not an exhaustive list, so maybe your vocation won't fall under these categories, but I, I think it probably will after you see all that I'm going to read here. But let's look at these categories here. So we see God's redemptive work. Redemptive work. God does redemptive work, right? God's saving and reconciling actions in the earth. Listen to the vocations. 
that God says, come join me in my redemptive work in the earth. So the human, humans that participate in this kind of work, for example, are evangelists, pastors, counselors, peacemakers. So do writers, artists, producers, songwriters, poets, and actors who incorporate redemptive elements in their stories, novels, songs, films, performances, and other works. So God just doesn't call evangelists and pastors and teachers to do the redemptive work, his redemptive work in the earth, but artists, writers, producers, songwriters, poets, actors, peacemakers, counselors, all can be, can be in, can, God asks them to join him in the redemptive work that he brings to humanity. Amen? The next area, next category is creative work. God's fashioning of the physical and human world. God is a creative God. We saw that in Genesis 1, right? He is a creator. God gives humans creativity. People in the arts, sculptors, actors, painters, musicians, poets, display this, as do a wide range of craftspeople, such as potters, weavers, seamstresses, as well as interior designers. I know there's an interior designer that goes to church here. And there might be more than one. But as, even as an interior designer, you're, you're reflecting God's creative nature in your interior design. Metal workers, carpenters. Do you have any carpenters here this morning? Carpenters. Yeah, somebody. Raise your hand. Shout me down. Yeah, carpenters right here. Carpenters. Carpenters. Your creativity that you put into the work you've called to do with wood. Carpenters reflect God calls you to join him in his creative work in the earth. Carpenters, metal workers, builders, fashion designers. Any fashion designers in here? Maybe? No fashion de- yeah, right, right there. Somebody raised their hand, maybe. Fashion designers, architects, novelists, and urban planners, and more. Creative work. God works creatively and he calls all these vocations. Elevate your view of the vocation that you have. God's asking you to come and work alongside him. Next category, God's providential work. God's provision for, listen to this, God's provision for and sustaining of humans and the creation. Listen to this list. This is a providential work of sustaining human life. So it says the work of divine providence includes all that God does to maintain the universe and human life in an orderly and beneficial fashion. This includes conserving, sustaining, replenishing. So, so who's, who's, who's called to come alongside God in this work? Bureaucrats, public utility workers, public policymakers, shopkeepers, career counselors, shipbuilders, farmers, firemen, repairmen, printers, transport workers, IT specialists, entrepreneurs, bankers, and brokers, meteorologists. Thank God for the meteorologists, right? Research technicians, civil servants, business school professors, mechanics, engineers, building inspectors, machinists, statisticians, plumbers, welders. Thank God for the plumbers. (laughs) Amen. I got plumbing problems at my house right now. I do, but I I think I can figure it out. Uh, (laughs) But thank God for plumbers, right? Thank God for indoor plumbing, the sustaining of human life. We need plumbers, right? Welders, janitors. And all who help keep the economic and political order working smoothly. They reflect this aspect of God's labor. Amen? Justice work. God's maintenance of justice. Who gets included in this? Judges. Lawyers. 
paralegals, government regulators, legal secretaries, city managers, prison wardens and guards, policy researchers and advocates, law professors, diplomats, supervisors, administrators, and law enforcement personnel participate in God's work of maintaining justice. Have, have, have I pegged your vocation yet? Raise your hand if I've pegged your vocation. Okay. All right, let's see if we keep going here, okay? Compassionate work. God's work of compassion in the earth. I saw somebody raise their hand because they know I'm about to mention their role. Compassionate work. God's involvement in comforting, healing, guiding, and shepherding. Who's included in this role? Doctors, nurses, paramedics, psychologists, therapists, social workers, pharmacists, community workers, nonprofit directors, emergency medical technicians. Counselors and welfare agents all reflect this aspect of God's labor. So far, if I pegged you, if I pegged you, so far, raise your hand. Amen. It's beautiful. This last one we're going to look at, revelatory work. God's work to enlighten with truth. Preachers. That's my job, right? To take God's word and bring enlightenment to the truth of God's word. Preachers, scientists. Any scientists in the room this morning? I think I I know where some scientists are. Scientists, educators, professors, journalists, scholars, and writers are all involved in this sort of work. Amen? You guys, that encouraged me as I read that. It's such an encouragement to realize that God welcomes us and says, says, your vocation matters. Because when you work in the area that that I've called you to work, it reveals my glory. It reveals my nature and my character as a God who works. So the the, the point of all this message is this, is I want you to raise your view of your job. It is not just a job. It's not just a job. It It is a calling. It's a stewardship. And are you going to be on that job for the rest of your life? Maybe not. Maybe not, but if you are, if you will see it as a stewardship and a calling, God will use you in the current place you're at to glorify his name, to point others to Christ. Amen? We need an elevated view of work. I'm done. I'm done. I can show you. That's all I got. Nothing else. I didn't know how short it was going to be. Normally, I'm a pretty long-winded preacher, but um, I'm done. All right, amen. All right, so next week, next week will be a little more challenging because it, it's, we're going to talk about how you should work, about those attitudes you have towards your boss. So you talk about, Paul talks about, are you working only when the boss is watching? Right? So we're going to get into all those things. But don't you stand your feet this morning. Let's thank God this morning for our jobs. Amen. Let's thank God this morning for our jobs and for the privilege of of reflecting Him in the earth. So I want you to just just close your eyes. I just want you to bow your heads and just think about your work. Think about the job that God's given you. Think about the calling He's placed on your life right now, the season that you're in. And I just want you to thank God for the job you have. Let's just thank Him. God, I thank you for the job you've given me. Thank you for it, Lord. Thank you that you've given me work. God, we may not all like 
different aspects of our jobs and things we have to do, but Lord, we say thank you that you've called us to reflect your image in the earth by working. And thank you for all the different ways in which we can reflect your character and nature, your compassion, your creativity, your, 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 your ability to provide for us and sustain us. Thank you that we get to reflect all of these areas in the earth through our work. And God, I pray for all those here this morning that are struggling with the jobs that they have. God, I pray that today would be a day that they would be renewed in their strength and their, and their desire to glorify you through the job that you've given them. I pray that their view of work would be elevated, that they would see that they're designed to work, to glorify you in, in the earth and the calling that you've given them. Lord, we, we pray, Lord, that we would be fruitful in the work that you've given us. Pray, I pray, God, that you would bless all the workers here today, that you would increase them, increase their influence in the earth, bless them financially so that they can be a blessing. And for all of those here this morning that do not have work, that need work, God, I ask that you would give them opportunities to work. Open up doors for work for those who need work so that they can reflect your image in the earth through that work. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.